Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Our profile uh, today, in terms of church, is uh, St Paul's Throop. Not a million miles, actually, from Yeoman's Way, where, where we are. Is it? Is it, Jim? No, it's just around the corner, in actual fact. You've, you've, I think... I'm not sure if you've moved into our parish, but you're pretty close to it. They probably have, actually, and you, you'll have to be a regular visitor. Once we, once, we, once we get the restrictions lifted, then we only, we only moved into these new studios just uh, at, at Christmas time. It has been a real, real blessing uh, to us, you know, because we've got lo- lots of space. But sadly, of course, uh, we're having to apply all the restrictions that everybody else mm. uh, is having to do. Uh, so, uh, give us a quick overview of, um, obviously St. Paul's is a Church of England uh, uh, church yep. and so on, and you've got, I mean, you've got loads and loads of things going on normally. If we looked at the days before lockdown, uh, what was your, what was the whole church activities looking like? Yeah, well, we were, we were pretty, we were pretty busy um, with, uh, you know, trying to, trying to connect to our community. We're not, we're not like a you know a town centre church that has all the kind of civic stuff going on, or you know we're, we're not in the middle of the town where all the the life and vibrancy of the town is. We, we live in a residential area, um, and um, what we're what we're trying to do is is just connect with the with, with the people around us, um, and, and we we support stuff going on across Bournemouth, obviously, but we're. What we're trying to be, our strapline is, you know, St. Paul's Throop is trying to be an open door to God's kingdom. And, and we're, we're trying to hold that door open by loving like Jesus, living like Jesus, and leading to Jesus. And um, we're, we do that in a number of ways. We're, we have a preschool that runs out of our, ordinarily, obviously it's not working at the moment because of the whole uh, lockdown, but... Ordinarily, there's the Barbara Rose Christian Preschool that operates uh, out of our church building, um, and that caters for you know preschool children and uh, is open Monday to Friday and um, provides a superb preschool experience for youngsters. Um, uh, and alongside that, um, we've begun a community cafe that, that, that began by trying to connect with those parents who were coming along and, and dropping their youngsters off. Um, I remember looking out my, the vicarage window one day in the rain and watching all these parents stand there getting soaked and thinking, oh, I could open the door and let them have a coffee. So we started doing that, and that's, that's gained some traction. And just before lockdown, we were talking about extending the cafe to further hours. We have a, a, a toddler group, a toddler group um, called Little Lambs, um, and uh, we have um, uh, a group called Grapevine, which... Uh, provides lunch and a time of company and fun and fellowship for uh, the older generation, um, drawing them in. Um, we have a, a large home group system. Uh, we have an effective youth and children's ministry, and you'll have Nathan on here soon, I think, talking about some aspects of that. So I don't want to steal his thunder, but we have a Sunday network for kids and a Friday network for kids. Um, we... Um, We've, we've had two um, debt advisors recently trained up to work through the church, through the cafe, for the community. There's a, yeah, there's a, lot that, that, there's a lot that's going on. keeps us busy and keeps us connected. I mean, you were saying there, obviously, about not being a town-centred church, but the one thing that you are is a community church, because uh, you're, you're positioned yeah. right in the middle of, of, of quite intensive housing, aren't you? And uh, So serving that's the fine. needs of the community uh, must become paramount to what you're doing. That's right, and we, what we're trying to do is take advantage of the natural connections that are there. We don't want to be arrogant and assume that we know what the needs of the community are. So we, we, um, 
we have some very natural connections through those things that I've talked about, and so we we keep conversations going with people through that. And uh, people from those things are stepping into the courses that we offer, you know, like Alpha Christianity Explored. Uh, we do a sort of pre-Alpha thing called The Question Is uh, that was devised by um, one of our lay ministers. And, um, you know, th- there's a connection growing between our community uh, work and what we do as a church. And we're seeing some... We're seeing people come to the church through those community links um, because we're, we're, we're genuinely showing an interest in these people um, and no strings attached interest in our, in our community. Just saying, you know, we're here for you, we love you, we're serving you. And, um, and through that, as that provokes questions in them about why we do these things, we can gently answer um, in, in, in our own way, but also by inviting them along to these courses that provide further answers as to why we do these things. And, you know, that, that very gentle and respectful uh, presenting of, of, of why we have the hope that we, that we do have, you know, the 1 Peter 3.15 uh, evangelism line. You know, we set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts and are always prepared to give the reason for the hope that we have and doing it with gentleness and respect. That's the kind of approach that we're taking. But it comes about through connecting. If we don't connect with the people who are around us, um, you know, we, we can't assume they want to hear... Um, what we've got to offer and what we've got to offer is so amazing it's the gospel of jesus christ it's the life transforming um community transforming world transforming gospel of jesus christ um and uh, we can't assume people want to hear that but if we enter into relationship with them um and they express an interest we can lead them to we can lead them to that truth now obviously here we are not nine weeks in into lockdown and future very uncertain <laughs> apart from the fact we know we're going to be hitting a major recession people losing their jobs and, yeah. and this week of course there's a big emphasis on on mental health because it's mental health week i mean as a as a vicar you are obviously close to, to people in a way that maybe many others aren't in the sense that you know you you, you will be a, a listening ear you'll be a people will look to you for for pastoral support and and guidance how has all this business of lockdown and coronavirus impacted the way you're you you yourself are are interacting with people jim well i mean it's changed it quite dramatically um the um the reality is we're 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 restricted from having face-to-face conversations with people and um that's a key aspect of pastoral work, you know, being a key aspect of, of, of Christian incarnational ministry. You know, Jesus' incarnation was God coming to be with us. It was a ministry of presence, and we try, to, we try to carry that, too, in our ministry today. We try to be present to people who are, you know, both in their joys and in their sorrows. Um, and it's in that being present um, that, you know, that that social interaction that we're restricted in now uh, has created you know so many difficulties for people you know dealing with people in funerals for example um you know done two recently where the numbers of people who were allowed to attend um were strictly limited uh, for one of the funerals there was just one husband and wife there the the, the daughter and son-in-law of the deceased um you know and their their heart was breaking that um the the people who would have loved to have been there to say farewell um, to this this beloved man you know, couldn't be there. Um, and then the follow-up to that is, you know, as they're walking out of the, the crematorium chapel, you can't you can't even shake their hand, let alone give them a hug. 
Uh, you have to maintain social distance and uh, all the natural things to do with uh, pastoral care, which involve human contact, maybe even human touch, um, that bring comfort and encouragement, are absent from what we're doing. Um, and you hear about things happening to people uh, in their, you know, in this time of lockdown, in their homes. Uh, and uh, all you can do is ring them up and have a conversation and pray with them over the phone. They're very happy to receive prayer over the phone, um, but it's not the same as being there with someone. Um, and so we're all adjusting to that, those who offer pastoral care, but also those who receive it. it, it it's odd all the way around, but we, we'll, we'll continue in that, and we'll continue to offer it. Um, I would encourage people, if, you know, if, if they need to be in touch, there's, there's so many helplines available now. If they go to the St. Paul's website, um, they'll find um, you know, our contact details. We're happy to be contacted and be in touch with people who might need some pastoral support in these days. Uh, but there are also um, phone numbers for um, BCP Council and their support. Uh, there's also national numbers to be in touch with. Uh, for, for prayer and, 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 and spiritual support too. There's all kinds of resources available there. The church has had to change, and we, you know, I, have had to change how we approach this, but we're still there. We're still the church. We're still available to people, uh, and we, you know, we welcome people being in touch with us, seeking that support, that prayer, and that, and that comfort. And also, I suppose we ought to mention the, the prayer line, which has just opened uh, this week, that people can phone uh, from seven, 7 in the morning until 10 in the evening. And, and that number is yeah. 0801-963-686. If you phone that number, there'll be somebody on the end of it who will not give you advice. They'll just listen to you very carefully, and they'll pray with you, and they'll pray for uh, whatever uh, you, you request prayer uh, for and again that's it's great to have that service Jim isn't it and to know that because the, the, yeah. the, the team who are doing the praying are coming from churches uh, you know right across the, the, the area which is which, which again thanks to those many volunteers Jim obviously faith that we all have different faith uh, journeys how did it begin for you how did you become a Christian yourself in the first place because I know you didn't come from a from a Christian background no, didn't didn't come from a Christian background. I I um I had a well, I say I had an interest in our in in, in religion. I it, it stems it stems from doing very badly at GCSE uh, and then trying to take A levels. And I eventually convinced the school to let me take A levels. And they were only going to let me take two. I argued to let them let me take three. They said, please pick a third one then eventually. Uh, and I picked um, religious studies uh, on the on, on the on the basis that I had a bit of a crush on the RE teacher at the time. <laughs> um, but little did I know where that where that would lead. That that led me through uh, to doing a degree in religious studies, um, and then that led me to being a teacher of uh, religious education in secondary schools. I spent ten years doing that, um, and it was uh, in uh, the the first school that I was teaching in um, where. Um, where I, you know, I was an atheist teacher of RE, uh, which sounds like a strange thing, but uh, I didn't have much time for Christianity at all. Uh, I, I, I kind of resented having to speak about Christianity at any point, um, but we had to do it a lot. The national, uh, the, the national curriculum for RE you know, uh, forced the issue. I had to teach it a fair amount. And I remember um, a key event in, in the build-up to all this, um, the conversion moment. It was a sort of... There, were two, there was a two-week period in February 1995 um, where loads of things happened in that two-week period, which was effectively God grabbing me by the scruff of the neck and leading me to faith in Christ. Um, and, and 
it, it, it began in the in the classroom at, at a time when I was quite broken. I'd been through um, a marriage breakup, which was uh, you know entirely my fault, and because of the, the way I was living at the time, um, I you know I'd was a uh, I treated people uh, quite badly, uh, including you know my ex-wife, um, and uh, it was in the brokenness of all of that that I was teaching an RE lesson. It was to a year eight class, and I was teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And I was teaching at the end, the bit of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, with about the, the wise and foolish builders. And I did what I always did, which was to say to the class, you know, yawn, yawn, this is Christianity, it's a load of rubbish, but can anybody tell me what's, what's going on here? What's Jesus trying to get across here in this stupid little story? Um, and there was a, a young lad at the back, so we're talking about a 12-year-old, um, at the back of the class, um, who had his hand up. He was, he was a bit like Donkey on Shrek, where he's trying to get Shrek to pick him to go on his big adventure. He was bou- almost bouncing. His arm was coming out of his socket. Uh, pick me, pick me, pick me. Um, and I didn't want to, because I knew this kid went to church, and I didn't want to ask him to answer the question, because I knew what would be coming. But eventually he was the only one with his hand up, so I said, okay. Um, what's Jesus getting across here? And he said, well, Mr. Finley, what you need to get here is that what Jesus is saying is if you build your life on him, when the storms of life hit and your life falls apart, uh, you will still stand. If you don't build your life on him, uh, everything's going to collapse around you. Um, and, and it was like being punched in the stomach um, with, with the truth. Yeah, I was literally winded uh, and I had to sit down, got the kids to color something in while I gathered myself. Uh, I walked out of that classroom to go and teach my next lesson behind two kids, not from my class, from another class, who were singing The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock, that little Sunday school song about the wise and foolish builders. Um, I thought, oh, that was a bit weird. Um, I came in the next day, and the head teacher of the school, a lovely Christian man, was taking uh, the assembly, and he said, this morning my text is The Wise and Foolish Builders in Matthew's Gospel. And he said almost exactly word for word what the child had said the day before. And it was just beginning to, uh, to feel like a conspiracy that uh, this, this stuff kept coming. And there, were, there was an exact same pattern of events in a year eight classroom, but this time with the story of Zacchaeus and a, and a child at the back of the class, different child again, saying, well, Mr. Finley, what Jesus is getting across, or what we, we discover here in this, this Bible story, is that it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done. Um, Jesus wants you to follow him. And again, winded, sitting down, recovering, walking down the corridor to another class behind two kids, not in my class, singing, uh, Zacchaeus was a very little man, a very little man was he, coming into assembly the next day, and the head teacher um, speaking again on a text uh, about Zacchaeus and giving exactly the same message that that child had given uh, the day before. It was like I was being, you know, bludgeoned round the head with the gospel um, in all these different ways. And, and I was beginning to think that this, this, this was all, uh, maybe there was something in it. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there was a God and he was trying to get through. Then, in the same, in the same week, um, there was a colleague at the school that I was working at who'd known I'd been through a tough time and that there had been a marriage breakdown. Um, and uh, she came up to me and put a book in my hand and said, Jim, I, you know, I think you should read this. Um, and it was, the book was uh, Who Moved the Stone by Frank Morrison, which is an amazing book about the resurrection, uh, where he sets out to try and disprove it, but is converted in the process. Uh, it's an incredible read. Commend it to anybody. Um, but she also turned to me and said, um, by the way, there's a group of 12 of us who meet on a Sunday evening to pray. Um, and I just want you to know that I'm going to get in for a tough time. And, and actually, we've been praying for you. Um, and uh, I... Uh, 
I, to her face, I said, oh, well, okay, that's interesting, and then turned around and walked away. But I walked away with tears in my eyes. I was just moved. I didn't want her to see I was moved because she was a Christian. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was utterly, utterly moved by the fact that people who didn't even know me would be so concerned for my situation that they would be praying for me. And that, 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 that shifted something in in my heart. But it all it all came to a head, and I hope you don't mind me. I'm rambling on a bit. No, know, no, but, no, it's um, all great stuff. <laughs> Ramble it all, away. It all... <laughs> it all came. It all came to a head um, uh, at the end of that two-week period, um, where um, there's a group of teachers from the school went off to visit Salisbury. There was an American who wanted to go and see the cathedral, who was an exchange teacher with us at the time, and 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 she said, "Jim, come, come and have a day out. We'll have a pub lunch. It'll be a nice day out. Cheer you up a little bit in in these difficult times you're having." Um, so I agreed to go, and they went to visit the cathedral. And and when we got to the cathedral. Um, I took myself off from everybody uh, and went and sat in this little side chapel. I now know it's called the Morning Chapel. I didn't know at the time. But there's a little stone seat in the Morning Chapel opposite a stained glass window of Jesus on the cross. And I just sat on that seat and I looked at Jesus on the cross in that window and I said, right, this is it, fella. If you're there and this is all this stuff that's going on, all these coincidences and all this stuff about people praying for me, if that's real and you're real, you've got to prove it to me now. And if you're real, I need to know how to talk to you, because if I can't talk to you, there's no point you being there. And at the moment, and I was shouting this in my head, I was in a quite a distressed state. That group of people I'd gone with saw me in that little side chapel and walked away, because I had tears coming down my face and everything. Mm. Um, and they thought I was best left alone. <laughs> um, and uh, at the moment, I sort of shouted at that stained glass window in my head, if you're there, I need to know you're there, and I need to know how to talk to you. The loudspeaker came on in Salisbury Cathedral asking everybody to be quiet while we prayed the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, I was an RE teacher. I knew that when the disciples said to Jesus, look, how do we talk to God? How do we pray? He taught them the Lord's Prayer. And um, really that, that was the moment where the Lord got me. I'd thrown the gauntlet down and he'd picked it up and slapped me around the face with it and said, right, I've answered you. Are you coming with me or not? And uh, that, that was the big moment where my life changed forever mm. and my trajectory changed uh my my attitude to life changed my my attitude to people changed the whole of me was changed in 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 that moment uh, and eventually you know I, I came out of the cathedral and bumped into these people and i tried to explain to them what happened and they said well what are you going to do now and i said i don't know i don't know and one of them said what are you an idiot you're the re teacher you should know you, know, <laughs> you should be going to a church you know get yourself to a church um, and so I did. So I went. I went from there to. Uh, I went to St John's Boscombe back in 1995 when Godfrey Taylor was the vicar there, mm. and um, I uh, talked to him. And uh, in his study on a uh, on February the 15th, 1995, he um, he said, Jim, I've got a choice for you. I could give you some books to read, um, and um, you can go and find out more about who this Jesus is, or I could lead you to Christ right here and now in my study with me as your witness. I said. Let, let me give my life to Christ, please. And we did it there in, in Godfrey's study. That's and 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 from there, it's it's been a it's been an incredible roller coaster ride of faith. Some amazing highs, some some difficulties and lows, but but it's been an amazing roller coaster ride and an amazing walk with the Lord since. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Yes, and my very special focus is on the work of St Paul's Thruppen. Nathan Bendel is the youth and children's minister. Good morning to you, Nathan. Good morning. So, youth, youth and children's ministry—that that sounds challenging. <laughs> what, what was <laughs> what was life like for you before before lockdown? 
Um, yeah, no, it's, it has, youth and children's ministry has its ups and downs, it, uh, but I absolutely love it. It is um, just, it's just so exciting to be able to share the gospel with children and young people who hopefully will go off and be able to share the gospel further and to be able to deepen their faith. Um, so before lockdown, um, we were doing a lot of different things. We had our Sunday morning um, which was for uh, our, our children, and we, we went through uh, lots of different stories from the Bible, trying to show them how, like, God created the world. Of course, he sent Jesus um, and, and loves us all and died for us and that, and just building their faith in that. Um, we also, of course, as Jim said earlier, we have a preschool there called uh, Barbara Rose, and um, I was able to go in and do an assembly one, once a week, which was very exciting. Um, I was able to do some of the, the, the different tricks that maybe older children would know what you're doing, but I was doing uh, one point water into wine and had a big uh, cardboard cutout of, of a big vase and had some water hidden, uh, some black currant hidden behind it and pouring water in and then dipping the cup in and bringing it out. And they were just amazed by it. And um, yeah, it was just, it's so much fun doing that. And they get so excited whenever, whenever I go in, um, they're all around trying to tell you everything. And it's just, it's lovely. Um, and we also, I, I go, or I used to go into Bishop Winchester School with a few other youth workers from, from around the place and um, do some outreach there, asking some big questions, um, which was set up by Pace, um, which was, yeah, very exciting. And right at the end, just before uh, uh, we went into lockdown, actually, we were able to give out some, some Bibles that, that we had found to some of the young people. So hopefully during lockdown, they found some time to read them as well. And we also have uh, Friday Nights, which is a, a youth group, uh, which a lot of the children from the community come to, um, where there's, of course, games, food. Uh, we have a talk as well. And, um, yeah, just have a, a good time generally. And our, our other one is on a Sunday evening, which is for our older young people, uh, where we try and really get more in-depth into Bible passages, looking at some of the themes that uh, maybe are affecting them at the moment and, um, yeah, just, again, getting to know them in, in, in a good relationship with them and building them up ready for, for university, really, because, of course, once, once they go out there, they then have to really decide if they have their own, their own faith. And there are a lot of difficult questions that can come up. They're now, they now could be living on their own um, with, with people their age who have a lot of different opinions to them. And it, it's rooting them in, in the Bible, in God's Word, so that when those times come, they're, they're ready to answer those tough questions and be strong in their own faith. Well, of course, here we are with lockdown. Now, one thing, of course, that when children and young people have a head start in all of us, because when it comes to technology, I mean, uh, they can run, ring around some of us adults, can't they? <laughs> yes, they can, yeah, definitely. So are they now your primary assistants in, communi in communicating by, by Zoom and the million and one other platforms that, that, that of course, children and young people uh, use very, very naturally these days? Mm -hmm. Yes, um, yeah. So uh, it, it has been quite a, a steep learning curve that we've, got, that we've had to get through too quickly. But I think it's one of those things where I, I'm so thankful that actually lockdown happened at this time where we do have the technology to be able to still communicate with people and, and actually we can still see them over, over camera and things. And so, um, yeah, we've been running some of our groups, um, over, over Zoom. Um, I, yeah, we've been learning about, um, how to, 
change your backgrounds and share screens and all that stuff, which has been brilliant because we've actually still been able to show videos and talk with one another about these things and even like split into groups uh, and things like that. And so we've been doing that. We've also, um, I had planned after Easter to start a Youth Alpha course and we've gone ahead with it anyway, uh, which has been really exciting. Um, and we, so we do them actually on Wednesday afternoons. So if people wouldn't mind being uh, praying at 3.30, we've got that. Um, and again, we're able to share the videos over Zoom. We're able to discuss and some of the questions that, that, that we get. Um, yeah, I'm really glad I have two more students with me uh, who are able to answer some of those really difficult questions. And a lot of the time they seem to go, oh, well, actually, I just had a lecture on that. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, because <laughs> oh, I haven't had a lecture on that yet. Um. <laughs> Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Nathan, I've been talking to you about, you know, uh, about your work generally with the children and young people in the church. But how did the whole faith journey begin for you? Um, well, <clears throat> so uh, I was brought up in a, in a Christian household. Um, my parents are both Christians. And um, I think my journey really started uh, when I was about six. And um, we actually lost my sister. She, um, she passed away. Um, she had had a lot of heart issues. She had had a heart transplant and everything. Um, and she went and had her tonsils out and she died because actually she had a, an allergic reaction to the anesthetic. And as I look back now, I look at my parents and during that time, they, they, they didn't stop going to church. They didn't stop worshipping God. Yes, of course, they were absolutely heartbroken. They had lost their daughter, but yet they didn't blame God. They were, they stood fast in their faith. And that just to me, looking back goes, wow. God really, really meant something to them. And then I um, went to a camp uh, when I was in year six, and um, they were talking about, you know, do, do you have Jesus in your life? And I was, I was kind of sat there thinking, oh, I don't know, do, do, do I? So I, uh, mm-hmm. I rang my mum uh, that, that, after that session. was like, mum, do I know Jesus? Do I, do I love him? And she was like, yes, of course you do. And, and it was that point where it's like, actually, I knew I wanted to, and I wanted to know him even better than, than I already did. And um, so that really started that journey um, there. And then, of course, I went to youth, youth groups, children's groups, and the youth worker there really inspired me to, to look deeper into the Bible, to be following God, to be uh, relying on him to help me with decisions uh, w- within life, big or small. And um, as I did that, um, I... I decided I was going to go and uh, do drama at, at university. But before that, my mum said, oh, at the moment, the, uh, the church is doing a, a, a gap year where you can, you can be an intern um, with the youth worker. So I decided to do that. And that was just such a great year and really helped me to, to, to grow in confidence to be able to speak in front of people, to be able to lead groups, um, to, to just, yeah, and it just drew drew me close to God uh, in, in that way. And then, of course, I went off to university and uh, had a really good time there. And I went to Winchester, and most of the people that, that go there are, are learning to be teachers. And so when I was in my second year, they, they all knew what they were going to do after, after university. They were going to be teachers. And I started panicking a bit, like, oh, I don't know about that, because I lived with uh, quite a few housemates who were teachers, and they were on placement, and uh, they were up at the crack of dawn and back late doing work and went to bed and I thought don't think I want to do that that seems like too much hard work <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I really started panicking like actually I don't know 
what I'm going to do afterwards. And um, I've been talking to my friend about it, and, and I've been praying about it a lot. And there was one time where I was going to the Christian Union, and I, um, I'd had to get this little toy drum that we were doing for a, uh, for a performance. And um, I went into the Christian Union, and people were kind of joking, oh, you're going to go up on stage and play with, play with the band, uh, with, with the drum? And I, I was kind of laughing, like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, somehow I got dragged up on stage and was sat next to the big drum kit playing this little drum that had three notes um, on it. And, um, and uh, it was just a bit, uh, a bit silly, really. But um, after that... Uh, the pastor and his wife that was going to speak, they turned around and they had a few words from God for people. And so they told a few people and they turned around to me and went, just like that drum, God has perfect timing. And my friend next to me, who was my housemate, he, he was on the, the actual drums. And, uh, and he goes to me, I had the same thing. And I think it's going to be about what you're going to do after university. So, of course, I had another year and a half um, uh, and, and I just felt so much more relaxed. God just put me at peace. And of course, it didn't mean that I didn't stop thinking about it. I didn't just go, oh, well, God's got it sorted and I'll just hang back. Uh, you know, I did look into some things um, on what to do. But as I came out of, of university, um, again, my mum said, oh, by the way, the, the youth worker at um, uh, St. Saviour's, which was our, our church at the time, um, is leaving and they're looking for someone new. And so I went to, I went to the vicar and kind of just said, um, uh, which is Andy McPherson, uh, mm. still is, um, and uh, and just said, look, you know, if you're looking for someone, I'm happy to kind of uh, fill in and volunteer to, to to kind of run it while you're looking for someone. I, of course, I'd had the training um, uh, for the year for the gap year, which I think God had had put me in that place for the right for for that reason, and um, and so I, I did that, and uh, I was volunteering for a bit, and then went for an interview as well, and got the job, and it it was just amazing how God had just put me in those positions to get to the point where I, I, I was ready to, to, to do youth work and children's work. And, 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 it, and I just love the fact that he trains you throughout the whole of, of, of your life, getting ready for those things. And I've just been praying ever since, like, to, to guide me in the right things at the right times and what to do. And, um, yeah, he's just really helped me with all that stuff. So, yeah. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. That's a, a wonderful track there from Bethel Music Forever. And of course, have you been listening this morning to, uh, to Jim and, and to Nathan? Uh, you'll know that, that we have a, an amazing God who, who change, changes people's lives. We heard Nathan saying right at the end there that, uh, you know, that as he looks back, you know, he reminisces on how God prepares us for the future uh, that really only he can see. But I guess, Jim, uh, we don't really understand that at the time, do we? It's not. It's not often, and it's not. It's frequently the, the case that we don't see what God's been doing until we look back with hindsight, and we can we can see more clearly how all the threads of life have come together. Um, you know, and uh, uh, praise God that we have that gift to, to look back and, and, and notice and see uh, what He has done. The psalmists, you know, reflect that quite quite frequently. You know, you read some of the psalms, and it. It begins with a woe or a lament about what things are like, but then faith is restored as the psalmist starts to remember and look back at what God has done. You know, and, and it, that's frequently the case for us. Um, wherever we're stuck, wherever we're, whatever we're in, um, if we just take a moment to look up and look and look back, we can see God's hand uh, that's brought us through to this point. I mean, one of the things, of course, and it's pretty evident, you know, from your earlier testimony, you know, that grace and mercy, uh, right at the heart. I mean, God, it's, it never ceases to astound me about what 
God does. I mean, you talked about, you know, obviously going through a broken marriage and, and whatever and being, yeah. an eth- being an atheist. And, and you were a real atheist. You weren't one of these atheists who said, I'm an atheist, thank God. Um, but, but, <laughs> it made me laugh, actually, because of all the professions to go into, you know, teaching religious education uh, and whatever. But as, as you look back, you know, on your life, and, 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 and I mean, of course, you would have become a vicar. Would, would you ever have thought that that was going to happen? No, absolutely not. And, um, you know, if I go back to my hometown of Corby and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the mix with my, with my parents and my siblings uh, and other people I bump into around town, if there's someone I haven't seen for a while, they say, oh, oh Jim, how, how are you doing? And I say, oh, I'm great, I'm living in Bournemouth. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a vicar. Uh, <laughs> you can literally see their chins drop because the person they knew um, isn't someone they'd equate with, with, with the Lord's work, isn't someone they'd equate with the Christian faith, because I was so far away from that. But God's grace uh, just drew me in and brought, brought me close and, and, and changed me. Um, and it's, it's, it's an astonishing thing. I, I, get quite, I still get quite emotional when I think about that transformation and, and where, he, where he lifted me up from and where he's led me to. Um, it's, it's an incredible story of grace. And it always astounds me, too, when I encounter people who will say in conversation with me, um, yeah, I'm not good enough for God. I'm not good enough to come to church. I'm not good enough um, to be in that place where I can worship God. And, and you know, my answer to them is, do you know what? Not one of us is good enough to be in that place. Not one of us. Um, you know, whether it's the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Pope, uh, me, uh, you, whoever it is, you know, uh, not one of us is good enough to be in that place. But we're made good. Um, through the blood and sacrifice uh, and a resurrection of Jesus, um, that's what turns that's what turns us around. And we don't deserve that, but it's given to us freely from the, the loving heart of God. Uh, that's what changes us and allows us to stand in that place, clothed in Christ, to worship the One who who made us uh, and the One uh, who calls us into relationship with Him. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.